Welcome to Imago Dei, the program that brings you theological and philosophical reflections for today's world. This is your host, Joseph Terry. Wonder is the feeling of the philosopher. And philosophy begins in wonder. This quote comes from Plato. You know, he's a household name. Many have heard of him. Plato, which was probably a nickname signifying broad. Maybe he had broad shoulders. Plato was instructed and inspired by his master and teacher, Socrates, After Socrates was put to death by the Athenian people, Plato and others left Athens. And it's interesting because Plato was being groomed to be a statesman. He was being educated uh, towards that route. But Plato saw himself as incapable at this point in his life to support the very machine state that put his own dear friend and teacher to death. And so Plato left Athens. He left Greece. He traveled. He studied. And after some time, he returned and started what many will call the first Western university, the academy. Wonder is the feeling of the philosopher, Plato says, and philosophy begins in wonder. Welcome, and uh, really excited today to talk about philosophy and life. There are two topics, there are two questions, actually, that I would like for us to investigate in our short time today. The first being, what is philosophy? And how can philosophy affect your life? Perhaps we should start with just the very word, philosophy. Greek in origin, historically, Um, It is traced back to Pythagoras, interestingly enough. Many of you have heard of Pythagoras in your math courses uh, way back when. A squared plus B squared equals C squared, the Pythagorean theorem. But besides being a person engaged in the mathematical sciences, Pythagoras himself uh, was a mystic, a philosopher as well. And... When a person told Pythagoras one time, said, hey, you know, you know, you're wise. And Pythagoras would say, he said, well, I'm more of a, a lover of wisdom. Only the gods are wise, but I'm more of a lover of wisdom. And there we are given the word philosophia, philosophy. Philo in Greek signifies love, a certain kind of love, friendship. In the Greeks, the word love is nuanced in different ways. So philo here signifies love, a filial love, a friendship love. And Sophia, that's a beautiful name, signifies wisdom. There you have it, the etymological breakdown of philosophy. Love of wisdom, 
friendship with wisdom. And persons like Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, all these great minds saw themselves as, in a sense, befriending wisdom, loving wisdom. And notice the, the distinction here. This is not the love of knowledge, but the love of wisdom. There's a distinction between wisdom and knowledge. Though they are, of course, associated, wisdom, though it doesn't collapse merely into head knowledge, right? The acquisition of some sort of information, as it were, the awareness of truths therein, wisdom goes a bit further. Wisdom bespeaks of the existential order. That is to say, wisdom is reflected in how one lives, Perhaps wisdom can be defined as something like the following. Knowledge applied to one's life. So while there is a distinction between knowledge and wisdom, you can think of wisdom as knowledge on the move, existentially applied to one's life for the sake of the good life, the ideal life, the best kind of life. And so wisdom is the, in this sense, the art and science of decision-making, knowing what to do and when to do it. Philosophy as an enterprise, and for the ancients, for the classical philosophers, they saw it more than merely an academic, uh, uh, an academic practice, but a way of being. Philosophy here is friendship with wisdom. Now, of course, if you go on Wikipedia, you, you do further investigation, you know, you'll, you may come across certain statements like, you know, philosophy could be defined as that academic discipline that is fundamentally concerned about questions uh, like the existence of God. Does my life have meaning? How do we determine what is right and wrong? What is the nature of beauty and so on? And all of this is true. All of this reflects what philosophy indeed does, what philosophy engages in. But let me bring you back to the quote from Plato. He says, wonder is the feeling of the philosopher, and philosophy begins in wonder. And one of the operative words, one of the key words there, I believe, is the word wonder. Wonder, awe, curiosity. That is the catalyst that, it, that propels us to engage in philosophy to investigate the whole of reality and its parts. Philosophy in this sense is a sustained reflection. It engages in varying, uh, uh, various modes of reflection, like for instance, introspection, looking within, cataloging, thoughts, in this sense, we can see how psychology, years later, comes out of philosophy and the mystics. Philosophy is the investigation of the whole and its parts. It is a sustained reflection, catalyzed by wonder, by awe, by curiosity. I take it that to be human is in some basic sense, to be a philosopher. The human 
is in, 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 in a sense, a baby philosopher. Sure, you may have not known the etymological definition of philosophy. You may not be equipped with words like metaphysics and ontology and epistemology. Nevertheless, you've asked, you've asked before deep questions. You've attempted to investigate. You probed. You desired to go beneath the surface. All of that propelled by wonder, by curiosity, by awe. We pass by a tree outside. And because we easily recognize the tree, we say, ah, a tree. And by virtue of that recognition, we typically just move past it. We've seen it before. There's nothing there to, to behold. Let's continue to walk. But the philosopher, the philosopher would see that tree afresh with, as it were, new eyes, eyes of wonder and curiosity, not beholden to the fact that he or she may be aware that they know that that is a tree, the word, right, tree as a, a linguistic appendage to this uh, phenomenon that is before the very eyes, an empirical reality, the philosopher will stop and behold the tree, gaze at the tree in wonder, in the very fact that the tree is being. There it is. What manner of creature is this? This is a tree. What is a tree? Now, this sounds a little crazy, right? It's like, oh my goodness, I, I mean, who's got time for this? Who's walking around uh, staring at trees? <laughs> but the point here is that the philosopher's mind and soul doesn't take appearance for granted. In fact, the philosopher is in one sense cognizant of the distinction between appearance and reality. The difference between appearance and reality. And how that awareness of the distinction can allow one to make better decisions. I mean, here we are uh, in our digital age, in a postmodern context, and, and we survey the grounds. And, you know, one of the things that we see that is quite popular is um, uh, these hack, uh, you know, how to hack your life, how to hack your finances, shortcuts, ways in which we can become better. And, and, and it's true. I, I, I mean, I think that that has its place. And, and sometimes, you know, as I teach philosophy over at the college here in Brooklyn, um, I'm, 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 asked was by students, uh, what can I do with philosophy? Here I am in a philosophy class. I mean, it doesn't seem to have a, a, an immediate practical use, perhaps like certain mathematics courses or an engineering course or even a literature course. What can I do with philosophy? I typically respond by saying that's the wrong kind of question. Probably a better way of asking 
a question like that would be, rather than asking, what can I do with philosophy? We should perhaps ask, what can philosophy do with me? What can philosophy do with you? And so I want to leave you all with just three things philosophy can do with you, as it were. How, this, how, how the engagement with this particular field, which is so deep and, and so vast, can really challenge you as a person for the sake of your growth and greater clarity, right? So what are three things that philosophy can do with you? Number one, I believe that philosophy can offer us clarity of thought, a sort of intellectual dexterousness, of uh, intellectual flexibility. Philosophy through the, through the mode of critical thinking and analysis, and taking seriously logic, whether it's symbolic or syllogistic logic, helps us to make distinctions, becoming clearer with what we are thinking about, clarifying concepts. This is something that we see beautifully illustrated in the very life of Socrates, recorded by his student and disciple, Plato. Socrates was known uh, for going around the marketplace and encountering different people. He may encounter, for instance, a military uh, general and strike up a conversation with that person and then may ask the question to this general, what is courage? I mean, surely you're a general. Part of your job is to uh, muster up, as it were, this the virtue of courage and to instill courage in others. What is courage? Surely you know. I mean, this is part of your job. And he would engage his interlocutors and, and, and realize, my goodness, people think they know a whole host of things, while in reality, they have a lot of confusing ideas. There isn't clarity of concept, clarity of distinction, of definition. And for Socrates, this was a, a major thing, because if we were not clear in our thinking, if we are unable to perceive uh, the reality of something that we actually think we know, this will affect our lives. As the mind goes, so goes our life. Or as the book of Proverbs says in Scripture, as a person thinks, so is he. And so philosophy offers us clarity of thinking. This is one of the things that it can do. Number two, philosophy can help dis help us discover what may really be of value in our life. There are certain fields of philosophy like existentialism and ethics that would cause us to investigate value, recognizing that there are a whole host of goods, as they were. There are higher goods and lower goods. 
And as I've said before in the last episode, this can get us to think um, more clearly about the notion of freedom. And that, for instance, um, pursuing higher goods will require a more nuanced understanding of freedom, a freedom that is not divorced from discipline, from rules, uh, but a freedom that is freedom precisely because it is baptized into rules and discipline to pursue the goal unhindered. Now, we can't even begin to talk about this notion of freedom and, and why do this or that unless we come to an awareness of the different goods or values that are before us. If I'm only cognizant, if I'm only aware of, of, of what is immediate to me uh, and what society tells me, uh, pursue uh, the sensual delights, pursue um, financial and material acquisition, pursue status and honor and power. If I am beholden to, to this, to these categories superimposed onto me by my culture, by my society, and I'm incapable of thinking a bit more critically and deeply, I will think that life is really fundamentally about these things. The pursuit of sensual delights and the acquisition of wealth and power, let's say. But philosophy gets us to engage in critical reflection, a kind of fundamental uh, probing of reality. And through that act, we can discover wait a minute, wait a minute, there are other things that I also find valuable and meaningful. Other things that I can pursue that perhaps I ought to pursue, I should pursue. And so in this way, philosophy can help us discover what may really be of value. And by doing so, we can learn how to live and act in accordance to that reality. Finally, philosophy can, number three, help us look beneath the surface. To um, dare to ask certain uh, searching and, 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 and critical questions. Here, looking beneath the surface, uh, we come to the awareness that, uh, again, there, there perhaps is a difference between appearance and reality. Appearance and reality. The wonderful philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, uh, or Kierkegaard, depending on how you pronounce him, the Danish philosopher, uh, one of the fathers of existentialism, modern existentialism, uh, and a solid man of God, um, he saw his entire philosophical project in one sense um, in the following uh, metaphor. He saw himself as uh, coming into people's homes at 3 a.m., uh, quietly going on, 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 standing on top of them, uh, straddled uh, on their bed at 3 a.m. while they're still sleeping, holding a mirror, and then Kierkegaard will slap them awake, uh, put the lights on very quickly, and hold the mirror in front of them. <laughs> Kierkegaard saw uh, that, that this is what he is attempting to do 
through his writings and through his philosophizing to, in a sense, shock people into an awareness of their true selves. Not the appearance, metaphorically speaking, uh, that, that we um, portray and articulate on a day-to-day basis by means of our makeup and our posturing. No, but the reality, the real you, the, the you 3 a.m. Uh, there uh, <laughs> without pretense. Who are you really? This is what philosophy uh, will, in a sense, force us to engage. Looking beneath the surface. There's so much more to be said about philosophy. There is um, all kinds of fields like metaphysics, as I've mentioned before, um, that having ontology, epistemology, metaphysics, for instance, investigates the nature of being in reality, um, epistemology, knowledge, so many things. And I encourage you all to go out and explore philosophy. Philosophy has and will always have, I, I believe, an important place in our life. Many blessings to you. Ты святую песню припевал.